don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What is up, Crypto Economy crew? Welcome back to the show. So, um, happy official Bitcoin Cash split day. Um, as of uh, recording this intro, uh, it looks like uh, the split has happened and uh, there's not been any 51% attacks or anything yet. We've just got two different coins. Uh, I'm going to watch this very closely and I might have some updates as we go through. Uh, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. If you want to see what's going on, uh, a really great website is cash.coin.dance. Their explorer shows the different nodes and hash power for the different networks and blocks as they come in. Uh, so uh, that's a good place if you want to sit down with some popcorn and just watch the show. Uh, that might be a really good place to do it. So keep an eye out on that. There might be some development on that front. But right now, it looks like we got two Bitcoin caches. Um, but today, we are diving into the Iterative Capital Thesis. Now, this thing is a beast. It's over 30,000 words. Um, it's like 30,200, somewhere around there. Um, so this is going to take a bit. It's got seven sections, but it is one of the most thorough pieces written about the entire cryptocurrency and Bitcoin phenomenon that I have uh, seen yet. Um, so this is going to be a really fun one to cover. Uh, and uh, one note is that I will not be hitting the preface on the show. Uh, when the long read comes out and I post it on the website and then Iterative Capital will be posting it on theirs as well. And it won't have any of this intro or my uh, any commentary that I do. Um, I'll probably keep commentary to, the, to a minimum on this unless there's you know something specific in a section that I really want to talk about. Uh, but... Um, uh, the the full the full version will not have any of the commentary. It will just be a straight like audiobook version of this, and um, it will also have the preface. But the just so you know, the preface is basically a a one hundred year like major developments that led us to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, both kind of the science behind, I mean, there's a lot of things about the developments at DARPA, Unix, um, going all the way back to the theory of the firm in the early 1900s, a bunch of different stuff. Um, and they're basically bullet points. So it would be a little odd to spend a lot of time on the show on that part particularly, but it will be in the full version when we get it out. But without further ado, we're going to jump into this amazing piece by Chris Dannon, Leo Zhang, and Martin Buchon, and it is titled, What's Really Driving the Cryptocurrency Phenomenon? Abstract. In this paper, we introduce investors to a decades-old subculture of eccentric software makers who resist the oppressive and ethically fraught traditions of corporate employment. We encounter how they set out in the 1980s to make commercial software irrelevant and how their mission expanded into a war against all forms of institutional oversight. We examine their approach to organizing volunteer software production in service of this war and how their methods produced successful software. 
we present Bitcoin as the next logical innovation in volunteer-based software development, an ad hoc human coordination machine which uses unpaid, unplanned contributions in lieu of a salaried workforce. We will examine how a volunteer-based system can resolve moral hazards endemic to software infrastructure development in a commercial setting if the participants in the system adhere to a strict set of rules. We look at how a distributed network of machines is used to enforce and maintain rules set up for human participants, even if those participants hold key roles in developing the system software. Finally, we consider the cost savings achieved in a system built with volunteer labor and how the economics of these, quote, permissionless blockchains might undermine the value proposition of full-time software employment. We relate this outcome to the original goal of the software makers to make institutional software uncompetitive and examine who will be caught in the crossfire. As a coda, we ask, what is the larger socioeconomic impact of systems like Bitcoin? And who benefits? Section 1. What's wrong with the cryptocurrency boom? On the challenges of evaluating cryptocurrency for investors and portfolio managers. Quote, To me, it's just dementia. It's like somebody else is trading turds and you decide you can't be left out. End quote. Charlie Munger on Cryptocurrency, May 5th, 2018. Cryptocurrencies have made headlines despite some obvious contradictions. These contradictions include no clear utility despite the enthusiasm. There is over 200 billion of US dollar value held in cryptocurrency, spread across 2.9 to 5.8 million internet users worldwide. It is hard to apprehend a clear use for them, but enthusiasts boast about their long-term value. Hated by exactly half of Wall Street. Bitcoin is condemned with vigor by traditional investors like Warren Buffett, who said, quote, Bitcoin is rat poison squared, and Chase Bank CEO James Diamond, who called it, quote, a fraud. Yet, it has been embraced by high-tech heavyweights like Jack Dorsey, Peter Thiel, and ICE. Banks, including Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, have announced cryptocurrency desks. Dominated by a single IPO The only notable public offering to come from the cryptocurrency industry has been Bitmain, a three-year-old company that makes Bitcoin mining hardware. Exchanges like Binance have sprung up in the same time span, only to grow to profit parity with NASDAQ in quarter one of 2018. Copied by the world's brightest entrepreneurs. Modified, quote, rat poison systems are being funded by Wall Street alliances and venture capital dollars from prominent firms like Andreessen Horowitz, despite the two points above. $6.3 billion was raised in token offerings in quarter one of 2018 alone. Facebook and Google both have blockchain divisions. Fraud aplenty, but no killer apps. Mainstream computer scientists say Bitcoin is a step forward in their field, bringing together 30 years of prior work on anti-spam and time-stamping systems. 
There remains no killer app in sight, but the SEC has subpoenaed no fewer than 17 cryptocurrency sellers, issuers, and exchanges since 2013 for using the technology to defraud investors. Massive popularity in troubled emerging economies. Bitcoin has hit all-time highs in price and trading volume in struggling economies in South America, such as Venezuela, Colombia, and Peru. How should investors make sense of these contravening narratives? Obstacles to Understanding Cryptocurrency IT Systems is a $3.7 trillion industry worldwide. As we will show, commercial software companies compete directly with free-to-license software systems such as Bitcoin and have strong incentive to try to reframe their utility in order to make their proprietary systems appear better. Bitcoin and many copycat cryptocurrencies combine a series of previous innovations in cryptography and computer science to form fully featured digital currency systems, which have different properties from the currency systems in wide use today. Transaction records are held in, quote, triple entry, both by participants and the network itself. Changing the network's record would take an enormous amount of computing power and capital. Bitcoin's, quote, immutable append-only data structure, colloquially called the blockchain or distributed ledger, has been kidnapped into the pantheon of enterprise technology fads, along with jargon like cloud, mobile, and social, with enterprise software marketing downplaying its original use case in currency systems, promulgating instead its virtues in niche, segmented commercial use cases. Drawing on these prepackaged narratives, various, quote, investment funds have cropped up like cargo cults, repackaging white papers from groups like IBM's Institute for Business Value. It argues that, quote, enterprises once constrained by complexity can use blockchain to, quote, scale with impunity. It sees blockchains as useful for transactions between institutions, promising, quote, the tightening of trust and, quote, super efficiency. Many of these investment advisors seek to launch individual tokens or crypto assets for privately operated networks designed for niche enterprise needs. We will show that cryptocurrency is the result of a retaliatory movement against the impunity of large trusted institutions. Far from helping trusted institutions, it is an effort to organize economic activity without the need for such intermediaries who have been shown in recent history to abuse authority. Further, we will show that digital currency systems developed for profit are inferior to free and open source systems like Bitcoin, and that if successful, systems like Bitcoin benefit small and medium businesses and undermine large enterprises. Uncomfortable Questions About Bitcoin's Creator The creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, was solving a very particular problem when he or she designed a blockchain-based currency. Namely, he wanted to build a currency system that wasn't owned by any person or organization and required no central operator, 
not even a so-called, quote, trustworthy company like IBM. On November 7, 2008, he wrote to a cryptography mailing list that with Bitcoin, quote, we can win a major battle in the arms race and gain a new territory of freedom for several years. Governments are good at cutting off the heads of a centrally controlled network like Napster, but pure peer-to-peer -peer networks like Nutella and Tor seem to be holding their own, end quote. Figure zero. On the left, we have a distributed network architecture where all computers are connected to multiple other computers simultaneously. And on the right, we have a centralized network architecture where all computers in the network are connected to a single central server. Credit Wikimedia. Who is we, and why is there an arms race over cryptographic network technologies? Nakamoto expects the reader to know the context. On June 18, 2010, Nakamoto tells the Bitcoin Talk Forum that he has been working on Bitcoin since 2007 and that the peer-to-peer -peer aspect was his biggest breakthrough. Quote, At some point I became convinced there was a way to do this without any trust required at all, he says, and I couldn't resist to keep thinking about it. End quote. In earlier digital currency experiments, counterfeiting was a common problem, but so was reliability. Participants in the system had to trust that the central issuer of the digital currency was not inflating the supply and that its systems wouldn't fail, losing transaction data. Nakamoto believed that Bitcoin would be most useful as a peer-to-peer -peer network wherein the participants in the network could operate ad hoc without knowing one another's real names or locations and, quote, without any trust between them. This, he believed, would create a network where participants could operate privately and could not be shut down by regulating or bankrupting a central operating group. The system Nakamoto built was more than a proof of concept. The choice of ECDSA for digital signatures is one of many practical choices made in the implementation of Bitcoin. In the same post on June 18, 2010, about a year and a half after the network's launch, Nakamoto said, quote, Much more of the work was designing than coding. Fortunately, so far, all the issues raised have been things I previously considered and planned for. End quote. Nakamoto pictured that Bitcoin was destined for either mass success or abject failure. In a post on February 14, 2010 to the Bitcoin Talk forums, the creator of Bitcoin wrote, quote, I'm sure that in 20 years there will either be very large transaction volume or no volume, end quote. Nearly a decade into Bitcoin's operation, it now transacts $1.3 trillion of value per annum, more dollar volume than PayPal. This is a significant feat by the standards of Bitcoin's creator and by the creators of its predecessors. And yet, portfolio managers have not developed strong explanations for its meaning and impact. What's wrong with current investment narratives? Bitcoin was one of many experiments in independent digital currency systems, but the first which has produced a valuable, widely traded asset. 
This distinguishing feature makes it critical to consider the role of Bitcoin, the native cryptocurrency of the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin the network is traditionally printed uppercase. Bitcoin the cryptocurrency is lowercase. Like the aforementioned IBM report, most incumbent technology companies try to cram cryptocurrency into a larger story about, quote, digital assets and their promises of, quote, super efficiency. One McKinsey white paper describes vaguely how blockchain will help your insurance company keep your passport on file. These incoherent stories typically place cryptocurrency into one of several pre-existing sectors. Enterprise software, in which blockchain technology is analyzed through a venture capital lens, despite the fact that the most widely used cryptocurrency protocols are classified as foundational, not disruptive technologies, and are free software. Capital markets. There's a movement to, quote, tokenize everything from debt to title deeds. However, these assets are already highly digitized, so this amounts to sub-optimization. App economy, in which, quote, token markets are categorized and analyzed like millennial-friendly stock markets for Decentralized Application, or DAP, tokens, despite the fact that these instruments offer no ownership rights or dividends. The companies are largely fraudulent, and all of their prices are correlated with Bitcoin. These three misleading narratives create problems for investors, who can see the asset class growing, yet cannot find a sensible explanation. Instead, they are inundated by pitches about endless token sales and abstract promises of, quote, blockchain companies and fear-mongering about their disruptive potential. Any temptation to invest in these schemes should be tempered by three obvious facts. Over half the asset class is one product, Bitcoin, a currency system which is still not widely understood by institutions or the retail public. This product is an ownerless currency, yet most blockchain companies are not building general-use currency systems, but far more niche systems for businesses. Bitcoin has not been exceeded in use or market cap by any of these subsequent systems, public or private, even after thousands of attempts. Explanations of Bitcoin's promise have lacked the requisite context needed by investors. Several books have explored the potential of, quote, cryptocurrency as sound money, touting the benefits of its finite supply and its anti-counterfeiting features. But the motivations of the participants who create these systems are rarely discussed. In the following paragraphs, we will discuss a fresh approach to understanding cryptocurrency away from the marketing copy of so many token funds and ICO promoters. New qualitative approaches are needed. Many useful quantitative studies have been done on blockchain and cryptocurrency, presenting data on the number of wallets in use, currency flows, transaction throughput, and price action, as in studies by Cambridge University and the World Economic Forum. However, these studies stop short of explaining why the pursuit of a functional cryptocurrency was interesting to technologists in the first place. What behaviors exactly are these systems enabling? 
When behavioral phenomena are driven by the promise of new territory or industry, the kind of, quote, territory of freedom alluded to by Satoshi Nakamoto in his or her letters, the promise of such territory can be hard to measure empirically. Roger Martin, dean of the Rothman School of Management, argues that, quote, the greatest weakness of the quantitative approach is that it decontextualizes human behavior, removing an event from its real-world setting and ignoring the effects of variables not included in the model, end quote. Several pertinent questions can lead us in the right direction. 1. Framing the problem as a phenomenon. 1a. What's wrong with the cryptocurrency boom? 2. Collecting information about key participants. 2a. What is the historical background behind the phenomenon? And 2b. Why is it emerging now? 3. Finding Patterns and Insights 3a. How do the key participants organize themselves? 3b. Where have they been successful, and how do their tactics work? 4. Hypothesizing about potential impact 4a. Where does value accrue? And 4b. Where should investors allocate? This essay is intended as a high-level primer for investors to answer these questions and more. It does not labor over deep technical descriptions of Bitcoin's inner workings, nor does it discuss the anthropology of money and Bitcoin's place in that tradition. Those topics have been well covered elsewhere. Where helpful for the non-technical reader, some explanations of key technical concepts may appear in order to more accurately describe Bitcoin's function as a coordination mechanism that can organize highly technical work at zero cost. All right, and that concludes part one or section one of the uh, iterative capital thesis on the cryptocurrency phenomenon, again written by Chris Dannon, Leo Zhang, and Martin Bichon. Uh, the... Uh, the iterative capital is actually, they're like an over-the-counter uh, cryptocurrency um, uh, trading uh, platform, apparently. Um, so, like, like they have minimum order sizes, I think, of 100,000, I think I saw. Um, so, it's uh, it, all the trading that happens behind the scenes that you don't see on directly on exchanges. These are the kinds of, this is the kind of company that does exactly that. Um, and uh, apparently they work directly with miners to, so they're selling large chunks of mined, newly mined coins to large buyers in the over-the-counter market. Um, and they also have a, uh, I subscribed to their um, a newsletter. Um, I'm not sure if I did the daily or I particularly was interested in their uh, research newsletter. Um, so I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on these guys. Um, because like I said, this thesis is just amazing in how thorough and uh, objective it is. Like it, there's a very clear vision in like what they were trying to study and the intention behind all this. And uh, so I'm really excited to see. I have not, I only just subscribed to it. So I don't, I don't have anything to work off of yet. Well, other than this huge piece that they've already uh, uh, published. Um, but uh, so I've subscribed to the newsletter and maybe as things go forward, maybe they'll let me read if they have some really cool research that I think is pertinent to something that's happening. 
um, it might be good to tackle some of their newsletter pieces on the show as well. Um, so we'll see about all that. But um, I'm going to keep a very, very close eye on these guys. And I would probably recommend the same because from my perspective, they seem to know what they're talking about so far. So if you're interested in doing the same and you wanted to, to subscribe to the newsletter, it is just iterative.capital. That's the website. So it's pretty easy to find. Obviously, I will link to it. And um, I'm not sure if I found everybody. I found all three of those guys on social media. I'll see if I can uh, find everybody on social media so that I can link to it. Um, or maybe I'll just link to the About page. I think they've got their whole team here. Okay, yeah, and they've got LinkedIn and Twitter Twitter links too. So I'll, I'll just link to their About page so that you can find uh, uh, their whole team and follow them on Twitter if you would like. And... Uh, Yeah, I guess with that, we'll go ahead and close this one here. We will be back tomorrow to dive further into this extraordinary work with Section 2 of the Iterative Capital Thesis, so stick with me, subscribe to the show on iTunes, and uh, follow me on Twitter at The Crypto Economy, on Mastodon at The Crypto Economy, and Medium at The Crypto Economy, so you can stay up to date on all the work that I'm doing. And of course, check out the website at cryptoeconomy.life. I post pretty much everything that I am doing up there, and it is a great way to leave some feedback, or uh, if you want to get in touch with me, drop a message on the page, uh, anything like that, cryptoeconomy.life. I've been checking every day now um, and trying to keep up to date on it. And I got some more collections and work around the corner, so stay tuned. Uh, If you would like to donate to the show, Um, uh, that is much appreciated. I will have my Bitcoin donation address available, and I also have my Lightning Node uh, public address um, as well. So if you want to send me some uh, Satoshis or send me a Lightning payment, uh, please do so. I've got my full Casa Node, uh, Lightning Node, up and running at all times now, and I am super excited about it. I've been playing with it and opening and closing channels. It's been a whole lot of fun, so definitely something to check out. All right, guys. I will catch you all tomorrow with another episode of the Crypto Economy Podcast. Until then, take it easy, guys.